0: guys i hope everybody is wow um let's start with a weekly rundown the update i am wildly hungover i feel like you can probably hear that <laughs> um i literally just ordered like breakfast from starbucks which like you know i'm desperate for food and coffee if i'm ordering from starbucks but um i got there vegan breakfast again. I've had it before and I knew it tasted awful, but I I didn't want anything to upset my stomach. And yeah, it was awful. But then I just got an oat latte, which is fine, I guess. I put like those my protein flavor drops. I don't know if anyone even knows what they are. If you watch Olivia Neil's YouTube videos, then you probably know what they are. But um, I have the white chocolate one, and I feel like Starbucks coffee is so overpoweringly gross that I still couldn't really taste the white chocolate, which was a shame, because I fuck with white chocolate. I really do like white chocolate. But um, anyways, that was besides the point. I feel like a lot has happened this week. Um, I have intentions to speak about a lot of things in this podcast, so I'm going to keep, well, I'm going to at least try to keep each part very, very brief. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what what's actually happened that I can update you on. Nothing. Literally, I feel like I've done fucking nothing this week. But then this is like a repeat cycle of every single week in lockdown. I'm like, hmm, what did I do this week? I'm like, oh, that's right, fucking nothing. I did check out a hot chocolate shop in um, Clapham Junction. Talking of white chocolate, because I I don't know if I've ever given recommendations on this podcast before. I normally do it on like my TikTok and my instagram but yeah i saw this hot chocolate place um i think it's called like noops i hope that's how you pronounce it but there's one in high street kensington and one in Clapham junction and i remember in like the sunnier days of lockdown the one in high street kensington had like a massive ql outside of it every single day so i was like okay let me take a mental note of this and i'm gonna come and check it out one day and then like, me and my dad are always in High Street Ken, because, like, that's how we go to Whole Foods. So we were like, okay, let's go for a change of scenery, especially in lockdown when there's not really much you can do. So we went to the Clapham Junction one. And uh, I, I, it wasn't that great. I was kind of disappointed. But that's not the recommendation I have. It just made me appreciate the hot chocolate that I get from the Nook in Hampstead Heath, which I feel like I've mentioned on this podcast before. But if I haven't, the Nook in Hampstead Heath is literally best hot chocolate in the world. Like, period. It's so good. It's so creamy. And you can get, like, any chocolate. I think they had a special one for Valentine's Day that I don't think they have anymore. But, I mean, who knows when this lockdown is going to end. So if it ends next February, then you can get yourself down to Hampstead Heath and go to the Nook. Um, and they have like a rose, rose chocolate one, which is really good. And if you're like me and you find chocolate very sickening, then the nook is the perfect place to go because I cannot describe it enough. Like if you're a chocolate lover, then you'll love it. Right. But if you're like me and you're not that much of a chocolate lover because you feel like chocolate is a bit sickening and a bit like, I don't know, a lot of chocolate like makes me, makes me feel like my throat is closing up. I have asked so many people if they feel the same way, and no one has agreed with me yet, so maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's re- like it really clogs up my throat. I just do not like the texture of milk chocolate um but they have like dark chocolate, white chocolate, rose chocolate sometimes, and they have like the darkest of dark chocolate, like just hundred percent cacao, you know, like just yeah, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, I would recommend going to the Nook. Also, I think it just opened in the first lockdown. So it's a relatively new, small, independent business. So if you're in London, go and support it, I guess. Go get your hot chocolates. And it's, this is like nice weather for hot chocolates. I remember I was drinking it in the summer. Um, and then the last time I went actually was when it snowed. So in, oh, I don't even know when that was, January, February? know, right. not too long ago, but whenever it just recently snowed, I went and got, hot chocolate and they had oh it must have been it must have been in February because it was the Valentine's Day chocolate anyways wow big tangent but yeah I walked through Hampstead Heath in the snow with my docks on and my massive puffer jacket and had my hot chocolate and it was amazing but yeah I mean I don't even know where that came from but Anyways, so that's that's what I did yesterday. I went to check out the other hot chocolate shop and I was kind of disappointed by it. And I was even more disappointed because like I had to go all the way to Carpen Junction and like that's so like out of the way. The only time I've ever been to Carpum Junction apart from yesterday when I went to get the hot chocolate shop, was when I was like on a mission to go to every Whole Foods in London. Like I don't know what's wrong with me. I do things like that sometimes, like Like, Whole Foods, Planet Organic, uh, there was another shop that's now been bought by Planet Organic, I can't remember the name of it, it's like Nature's something, but anyways, those, like, Whole Foods health shops, like, if I find one and I find out that it's a chain, I have to go to all of them, and so in the first lockdown, I dragged my dad with me, I was like, we are going to every single Whole Foods, and I will do a comparative analysis of which one is the best, I always knew that the High Street Kensington one would be the best, but yeah, I just, I just need a clarification. It is. So if you're ever in London or you're from London and you're like, hmm, which Whole Foods is the best one to go to? High Street Ken, 100%. The Soho one, you know, that's my local. I hold it near and dear to my heart, but it just doesn't hit the way the High Street Kensington one does. Um, anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? Also, I'm literally having the worst stomach cramps. Not because I'm on my period, and not because I'm hungover, but because I don't know who the fuck I was ordering a large coffee. Like, most people know my coffee order is an Oat Cortado, right? And that's fucking tiny. Like, it's it's a tiny coffee. And I've thought this through. Too much coffee makes my stomach hurt. I can have like eight cups of an Oat Cortado across the day, and I'm fine. But when I get like a large black coffee, oh my god, I cannot. My IBS cannot. And also, if anyone's like, ew, I should talk about IBS, let's normalize talking about IBS. Thank you very much. I fucking hate when people are embarrassed about their IBS. We got issues, okay? We can't help it. And we should be able to talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, so there there's our weekly catch-up, I guess. Um, I mean let's let's Jump into the the hot topic of right now and it's something that I am so fucking passionate about. oh my god I, I tried not to swear on this podcast. I really tried <laughs> it has become very clear to me that I have a foul mouth okay or a potty mouth or whatever you call it. I swear a lot and I don't I don't know why. I honestly do not know why I just do and I need to stop so I'm gonna try. I'm not making any promises, but I am going to try anyways hot topic of right now Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah so I didn't watch it live um because I'm in the UK and it was at like 3 a.m and girly likes to sleep but I watched it when it was on ITV the next day and I was just so so filled with rage and like I'm going to keep my own personal opinions on the monarchy and the royal family and the institution of the royal family out of this like I think like, that's not what this is about. That's not where my anger came from. I don't actually have many opinions on the royal family because I feel like as a Brit, everybody expects you to have an opinion on the royal family. But I don't because they genuinely have done nothing like, directly to my life, you know, like, i n- they're not voted in. So I've never had to voice an opinion on whether or not I think they should be there because It doesn't fucking matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're politicians. It's not like I I could go and vote and be like, oh my God, I didn't vote for him. Like, I'm mad, blah, 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 because it's all hereditary. So, like, my say will never impact who's in the royal family. So yeah, in that aspect, I'm like, I don't really express my opinions on The Royal Family. I've also never watched The Crown, so I'm not seeing it from the same light as everybody else in the fucking world. Oh my God, I swore, sorry. (laughs) Everybody else in the world who's watched The Crown, because I know people truly adore that show. But the interview itself just completely broke me. It broke me into pieces and I was so upset. And I also like tried to take my own, love for megan out of the situation like backstory to my love for megan um i am obviously a law student i've mentioned this multiple times i'm also a mixed race woman <laughs> and growing up suits was my favorite tv show <laughs> and i remember when i was a lot younger i watched suits and like megan's character in it rachel zane was like a massive inspiration to me. And so Meghan Markle became one of my favorite people. Um, This is when she like heavily used social media. I would read her blog all the time. Like I loved her Instagram. She was such an inspiration to me, like speaking on women's rights. And she just kind of shaped a lot of my teen years. So I have always had massive love for her. And I remember when I actually became a law student. So like I go to the University of Sussex, which is obviously like she's the Duchess of Sussex um and I was at uni and I remember I don't know why because I just, I don't really go into town when I'm at uni because I get into this like depressive pit of staying in my own room but I went into town and Meghan Markle and Harry were there and it was so weird and I think that the people I was with were just kind of like oh my god this is really cool but like I remember I called my mom immediately and I was like oh my god like I just saw Meghan Markle in town and like I got really emotional because I was like, "Oh my God, my life has kind of done full circle, like she was such a massive inspiration for me to apply to law school and I felt like if you if you are a minority person, especially a minority woman, you really do need to see yourself in the position that you want, if that makes sense, because my whole life I I'd, I'd never ever seen a black lawyer like it was crazy, I'd never seen a black lawyer, let alone a female lawyer, and yes, like it's a fictional show, I know that and I am one of those people who completely dives into TV shows and and just worships the art so much. But Suits just completely gave me the push I needed to apply to law school. And so Meghan Markle has always been a massive inspiration to me alongside her character, Rachel Zane. But watching this interview, I was like, I'm going to take my love for Meghan out of this and I'm going to try and watch this as objectively as I can. And it still fucking broke me. And I just, like, I was watching it with my mom, um, and my mom is black, so for her, it also struck a chord on the racial aspect, and not just that, like, it's obviously, it was very, it was a very sad interview, but I think, like, one of the things that Megan said that was, like, so, she, she put it so well, she said so much without saying a lot, um, but when she spoke about how the royal family was treating her and her unborn child because of their race, yet the queen's relationship with the Commonwealth, where the Commonwealth is mostly people of color, it speaks a lot. Like it, it, it's kind of scary in a way and it hurts. And I don't know, there was a moment where I just felt completely isolated in this world. And it's one of those things, like when it comes to the topic of race, not everybody's going to understand you and not everybody is going to want to listen to you. And I feel like I'm very lucky to grow up in a timeline where Meghan Markle can go and do an interview with Oprah and say all those things and let so many people know that they're not alone. Like, you guys know, that's that's something I admire so much, the ability to know that you're not alone. I love when people go above and beyond to make sure that people know they're not alone. And I think that interview did that um her topics about race were obviously a huge chunk of the interview, but her speaking about her mental health and how she didn't want to be here anymore, that was just so fucking painful to watch. Even if she wasn't Meghan Markle, like even if she wasn't this amazing woman who a lot of people in this world look up to, no one should ever have to go through that. And nobody should ever, ever, ever have help denied to them. And I think because she's Meghan Markle and because when you join the royal family, there's this kind of idea that you're perfect and, you know, preppy and your life's together and nothing could be wrong, you know. You have all this money, you have all all these family links, you know. It's a very nuclear family image. And to an ordinary person, the royal family is the perfect family. I mean, we've all heard the stories of, like, the weirdness of the royal family, but you look at you look at it as the perfect picture and you think that's the perfect family and they've got kids and they're married and they know their grandparents and all these things. And then you hear what Meghan went through and it kind of, it breaks the mold. It, it lets you know that anyone can go through things like that. And I think that was so important. I think the fact that she said that on her interview the fact that she was so open and vulnerable to say, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore, is a very, very fucking powerful thing because it shows the world that you are never the only person that feels that way. But from that, obviously, Piers Morgan decided to open his mouth. I was going to swear, but I'm not going to. Piers Morgan decided to open his mouth. And that's what really got me heated because I know that Piers Morgan is a provocateur. You know, he, that's his job. That's what he gets paid to do. Piss people off, basically. And I have never lost respect for that man, okay? And hear me out. I've never lost respect for that man because I've always held him in a higher regard to most because of what he said about American gun laws and he lost his job over it. And I had big respect for him for that because not a lot of people would have done that. So, in that aspect, I have always had some respect for him. Every time he's like knocked down a woman or said something that is just not provocative, just fucking mean. I'm sorry, I actually can't stop swearing, <laughs> but um, like yeah, not provocative, just mean. He has knocked off the levels of respect that I have for him. And yesterday, two days ago, whenever the interview was that he did with Alex Beresford, I think his name is the meteorologist on Good Morning Britain. Um, when they had that interview, I lost all respect for him, like he cannot gain my respect back, and sure, I'm probably nothing to him. He does not care about my opinion, but I was rooting for him to change. I was rooting for him because I knew that he he's not a dumb man. I think this is a common misconception like people think that if you're a provocateur, you just like you have no no ideas, you just like to annoy people, but he's not stupid, and I respected that. But he has this white saviour complex that he completely showed to the world in his interview on Good Morning Britain with Alex Beresford, where he was saying, I'm not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Um, he was like, oh, if my child married a black person, like I would love that, blah, blah, blah. And in the same breath, completely diminished everything Meghan said. And my problem here, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about this for long, because honestly, I was like crying and screaming at my dad about it yesterday. So I know that I can get way too into it and I don't want to film a fucking four hour podcast. But my one big takeaway from that is if you as a white, cisgendered, straight man can sit there and say that someone has lied about their accounts of racism. In my eyes, you too are a racist. Because you will never, ever be able to experience that. And you have never experienced that in your life. So you don't know what it feels like. And purely because you don't know what it feels like, you do not have the ability to sit back and say that somebody else hasn't experienced racism because you do not know what it's like to experience racism. And, you know, big respect to Alex Beresford for going on there and like voicing his opinion on it. But I was pissed at him, too. I mean, I respect the fact that he obviously wants to keep his job, but I just I feel like he gave up too easily. And he was the only person of colour on that panel. And I understand it must have been very, very intimidating. But I just wish he would have kept his guard up and said, Piers, you're wrong. You know. But anyways, Piers is no longer on Good Morning Britain. So I will go back to watching that show now. I used to just leave the house when it was on, because it used to be on before I left for school, because it's like first thing in the morning. So it would be on before I left for school and my mum would be watching it as she got ready for work. Um and I would not watch it. I would I would leave the house earlier because he was on it. Because I just thought I don't want to be pissed off before I go to school today. But now I can watch it. So that's fun. (laughs) Um but yeah, from the whole like topic of Meghan Markle and what she was saying, obviously massive respect to her. I wish her nothing but the best. She is honestly one of like my favourite women in the world. Um but I want to talk about this idea of the subjectivity of pain. And it's something that I've I've mentioned before and I'll say it over and over again. No one can ever tell you that someone has it worse than you. No one can do that. Because Pain is subjective, okay, and I say that because you can see people who have nothing who are happier than the people that have everything, and just because that exists, that doesn't mean that somebody can say to you, well, if they're happy, then you too should be happy. That argument upsets me. It really upsets me because there have been times where, okay, you guys know I'm real on here, so I don't know why I even doubted that i could say this because like i just want you guys to know the full spiel i never want to explain something without painting a full picture otherwise like it's harder to relate to you know so anyways like there have been times where i've just completely broken down about the way i look um like my hair is a massive insecurity for me my weight is a massive insecurity for me like i am an insecure person like that's what it is you can be confident, by the way, and be insecure. Let me make that very clear. But um, I'm a very insecure person, and it's something I'm working on. But there have been multiple times where I have just completely broken down about the way I look and, like, not gone out or, like, cancelled plans because I just, I don't like the way I look. And I'm like, I don't want to show people this. Like, I, if I'm insecure, then everyone else can see that and they can read that. And it's really something you can't hide in makeup. So when those times have happened and I've cried about the way I look or I've got upset or... Said something about myself, and people will be like, Yeah, well, there are people who are bigger than you, or there are people with worse hair than you, or there are people like these comparative points about my own perception of suffering and things I don't like about myself. They don't help a situation. I've never understood why people say those things to you. Like, if you say, Oh, I'm really upset, and someone's like, Well, there are people dying in another country. Yes, I'm not an idiot. I'm aware. But that doesn't mean I can't feel sadness. And with that, it's like, Do you think that people choose the emotions that they feel? No, no one does. Even if you say that you do, you don't. Emotions are something subconscious. You have no control over them. That's why I find it crazy when men are like, oh, just control your emotions. Like, why are you being so moody? That was a really bad impression. (laughs) But it's like, you can't control your emotions. They're something that's innate and driven by experience and perception. And no one can sit there and say to you, you can't be sad about this because some people have it worse. Because that's not true. Do you get what I mean? Like, I hope that makes sense. Like, people may have it worse in the eye of the majority. Like, if we put everybody's suffering on a scale, most people would have a similar opinion on what's worse and what's better, right? But it's you, it's your life, it's your experience, it's your emotion. Nobody can sit there and say to you, you can't be upset about this because you have it good. Because I think that's a narrative that did come from the Meghan interview. People were like, she was a royal, she has all this money. Like, that doesn't mean that her life is easy. That doesn't mean that she's not strong. The way your life is doesn't mean that you can't be sad. And I think that when this standard and expectation is set, that's where people start to feel worse about themselves. And that's why people don't really open up. It's because Oh, they have this idea in their head of like, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't be sad. And I'm I'm guilty of feeling that way. There have been so many times I've sat there and I've been like, no Mary, you can't be sad about this because there are many people who would kill to have what you have. And I always understand that, you know, like it does come with a balance. You do also have to be grateful for the life that you have if it's a good one and you know that it's good. But It doesn't mean that you can't sit there and be like, hey, this fucking sucks and it's really bringing me down and I wish it wasn't the case. Because of course you can feel that way. Of course you can feel that way. It's like an example that I can think of off the top of my head. is like, I went to a really good school. Like, objectively, it's a really good school. You know, it's doing well on the league tables. They get good grades. It's a small school, which means that classes are smaller. Blah, blah, blah. I had a horrible time there. A horrible, horrible time there. And so many people always said to me, well, you should just be lucky to be there because not many people get it. Like you have to set an entrance exam, like oh, whatever. And I always felt bad. And I was like, well, I can't have a bad time there then because people would kill to be in my position. And, and teachers would say it to me. Like the teachers who made my life a living hell would say to me, kids are begging for your position in this school. And it made me feel like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like why? Am I so upset here? Like this is my fault, blah blah blah. And now, like, yeah, when did I leave school? In 2015. So six years, nearly six years ago. To this day, I talk about things that happened to me at school, and people are like, what the fuck? Like, that's not right. And I hate, I hate that whilst I was there, I accepted it all because people would consistently tell me that people were dying for my position in that school. Like people would kill to be a student at that school. And no, that's not fair. It's not fair on me. And it kind of created this like this bubble of suffering where I just felt like I couldn't complain and I couldn't express how sad I was there because I was so fortunate and I was so lucky. But no, there is nothing lucky about going to a school where the teachers make your life hell. Like the teachers, not even the students. I mean, I don't actually speak to anyone from my secondary school apart from like three people. Um, two of which I grew up with. So like we've known each other since birth. But this isn't even talking about like the bitchiness of teenage girls. I'm talking about the teachers, like fully grown adults who are making my life hell and then making me feel bad for being upset about it. So use that as like the example of why nobody can belittle your pain apart from you, but you shouldn't. But like you're the only person with that power, if that makes sense. I think the reason I find it so crazy that some people... Can sit there and be like, oh, people have it worse than you, like, shut the fuck up. It's because it's so brave to open up about any pain you're feeling. Like, that's honestly one of the bravest and strongest things you can do. And to just have that, like, that hit back in your face of like, oh, well, some people have it worse than you, so shut up. It's like, come on. Like, are we really still living in a world where we're comparing pain? Why is pain even something that you want to compare? You know, like, it's just, I don't know. It just upsets me because I think about the times where, like, I've had the strength. And it really is strength. Like, you really have to talk yourself up to, like, open up to people. And that's something that's not appreciated enough. Like, the courage it takes to say, hey, I'm really struggling here. And I just don't understand how someone can be brave enough to do that and you hit them back with, well, some people have it worse than you. Like, I just, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't understand. And I wish people would stop that. I hate the comparative points of pain. Like, they're not up for debate. It's not a competition. No one's saying that they have the fucking worst life ever, period, point blank, since the beginning of time. Just saying that life kind of sucks right now, you know? And that's okay. That's okay if life sucks. It It does for everyone at some point. And I think that's another thing. It's like, when you say things like, oh, well, life gets bad for everyone, some people are like, no, it doesn't. Life doesn't get bad for like rich people. And like, cool, they may be in a better position than you, but that doesn't mean that they can't have bad things happen in their life. You know, money can buy a lot. And it, in a way, it can buy happiness, but it can't always get rid of problems. And so in that regard, it's just be a bit kinder to everyone. You know, just be a tiny bit kinder to everyone because you truly never know what someone's going through. And I always see that. Like posted on social media when it's like mental health awareness month or like national eating disorder week and things like that and you know everyone fucking comes out and says be nice to everyone you don't know what people are going through and then that week's done and suddenly they're not nice people anymore and they don't give a shit about you but this is a reminder that you need to be a tiny bit nicer to everyone even on your worst days because your worst day can be someone else's worst day too and that that proves my point, actually, that you can't compare pain because what you might think is the worst day of your life, I promise you will simultaneously be the worst day of somebody else's life, and you two will be experiencing something completely different, but you've both perceived that day to be the worst day of your life, you know, like if I sit down with all of my friends and I say, "Hey, what's everyone's worst day? like the worst thing that's ever happened to you, we're all going to have different answers, we're all going to say different things, but in our eyes, those are all the worst things that could have ever happened to us, and so No one has the one up on someone else because pain as it's perceived is only perceived through your eyes. And so no one can say that your pain isn't the worst pain because they haven't lived through your your eyes, your shoes. They haven't lived your life. I don't know. I've realized that I say that a lot. Like when I say something, I tend to like kind of go back on myself. And I need to work on that because I am very confident in what I'm saying. But I just think there have been a, a multitude of times in my life where people have spoken over me and actually this is, this is something very interesting to me. My dad speaks very, very slowly and it pisses me off because I'm like, get the thought out. And it's not that he's thinking, like, it's not that he doesn't know what to say. He just speaks very slowly and he's like very well-spoken and he yells at me for not pronouncing my T's and, you know, the whole spiel. But... I speak very fast. And when I come on here, I try to speak slower than I normally do. But even when I'm editing it, I'm like, oh my God, Mary, you need to breathe. But my dad pointed out to me, he was like, speaking fast is a sign of insecurity. And I was like, all right, Keith, what are you talking about? And he was like, I speak slowly because I know that what I'm saying is worth listening to. And he said that. And I thought, okay, Mr. Overly Confident White Man, what are you talking about? And then Like it really sat with me and I was like, no, he's right. Like I speak fast so I can get everything out before somebody else speaks, which means that in the back of my mind, I don't think that what I'm saying is worth listening to because I'm already assuming that somebody else is going to speak over me. And now that I know that what I'm saying has value and people do still speak over to me, which by the way, if you do that, fuck you. But um, like I know that what I'm saying has value. But when so many people have done that to you, it just becomes something that you do. You know, like now I just speak fast and I can't speak slowly. I don't have the attention span to speak slowly. But it's just crazy how like, that's just, so, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry, that's so random. I, I literally wasn't even talking about that, but it came into my mind. I was like, yeah, that is actually kind of wild. Like I always think about that in like, what you say has value. Like everything you have to say has value. And if you speak fast, if you speak slow, whatever. But like, when you speak, put your fucking foot down, okay? Like I've had people speak over me. Now I continue to speak. Like we're in battle now. Like if you started speaking over me, I will finish my sentence and I will expect you to reply. So unless you can speak and take in what I'm saying at the same time, don't fucking speak over me. Do not do that. Oh, there's a helicopter flying over my house. Why, 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 when I'm filming, recording? Fucking hell, will I ever get that right? Anyways, I also want to talk about body objectivity, right? God, I'm really, I'm really flying through the topics today. Everybody, round of applause for me. (laughs) Oh, I wish I knew how to edit properly. So, I mean, I do, but I don't know how to edit that well. So I could put like a round of applause thing in. Well, okay, if I figure it out, then I would have already put the round of applause in. So I don't really know why I said that thought out loud. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, body objectivity. So I do not mean to be objectified. I do not mean like the male gaze or anything like that. I mean objectivity in its like most basic sense. In like how do I explain it? In the terms of like not having a history or a backloaded opinion on it. So the way I can explain it best is like body objectivity in the way that like you look at your feet. I don't know, actually I feel like people have opinions on their feet. Um Oh, what's something you don't have an opinion? Fucking hell, this is the society we live in, like we have insecurities in every bone of our body. um, okay, let's say like an elbow. sorry, if you have elbow insecurities, I just don't really know what another objective part of the body is, but your elbow it does its job, and you just kind of vibe with it, you know, like you're never like, oh, I'm gonna get like Botox in my elbow. I don't know. do people do that? I don't know, but let's just go with the storyline, so you just kind of have an elbow and it connects your bones and your joints and stuff and you're just like oh cool like it does its job you never go to the gym to get a toned elbow right and I know this sounds dumb but stick with me that's how I want to look at my body so I don't want to keep looking at my body and be like oh we should probably tone those abs up a bit or oh Mary like you're getting a muffin top like I don't want to look at my body like that I just want it to be something that exists and it's healthy and it does its job and I feel like that's my problem with social media right now it's very much like lose weight or tone up to get a body that you love and that you like can look in the mirror and be like oh my god yes and like cool I'm here for body positivity right but like at the end of the day your body just has to keep you alive like that's literally its job like we our bodies were not made to have ripped abs like that was do you know what I mean? Like, it's this weird notion of, like, seeing ads and, I don't know, like, seeing advertisements that encourage you to look a certain way. And, like, people lie, okay? And I don't know why people lie. I have never seen the... a good enough reasoning for why people lie. And I... like, I can't lie, which is mad, because, like, I grew up doing theatre, so the acting is literally a lie. But... I can't lie. I can't lie on the spot. Like, I just don't know how to do it. And maybe that's why I just don't see the purpose in lying. But I think in terms of, like, online fitness culture, for example, or, like, uh, people who post pictures in their bikini and stuff, obviously they receive a lot of questions about how they got their body. And this is not me saying, like, don't post that stuff. Because, like, cool, if you're confident, cool, do it. Like, good for you. Like, honestly, like, in a non-sarcastic way, like, good for you because I know that sometimes good for you sounds really sarcastic when I say it, but I don't mean it in a sarcastic way. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, good for you. Like, I'm so happy that people can be that confident in their body. But when you receive questions about how you got that body, why lie? You know, like, why lie? Why sit there and say that you did this and you did that and you didn't eat this and you did eat that when that isn't the case? Because, like for example, someone who has, like, Kendall Jenner's body. I don't think Kendall Jenner's had surgery. I I don't know if that's like not true. But let's just say someone who's like someone who's naturally very slim and hasn't had surgery. As I said, don't know if Kendall Jenner's had surgery or not. I'm not a fan of the Kardashians, but let's just say she hasn't for argument's sake. If she was to go online and be like, yeah, I went to the gym for this body, and like I this is my trainer, and like I did this workout, blah blah blah. Like, cool, she might have done all of those things. But that's not the reason her body looks that way and because people do that people do have naturally slim figures and then they say I got this body by doing this it creates a generation of people who go and work their ass off in the gym what's not even working their ass they go and kill themselves in the gym basically for a body that's completely unobtainable because of genetics so like to me I'm just like well why why lie about that like why create this idea especially in young people's brains That if they just work out enough and go into a complete calorie deficit, then they can look like you. Because that's not true. Like, that's not going to happen. Nobody's body is the same. So just be honest. Like, just say, oh, I'm very fortunate. Like, my grandparents had these genetics and I have these genetics. No one's going to hate you for being naturally slim. Like, no one cares that much. But to lie, it fuels this idea that you have to look a certain way and you have to work for it. And now I feel like we've reached breaking points, actually, because I can only talk from my experience of life. So since 1998, but I feel like I've seen a real progression of how fitness and fitness industries have changed. And obviously it has been sped up a bit in the pandemic, but like when I was younger, and i i do admit like i did start working out way too young and i wish i didn't start working out that young but it is what it is but there were these i mean if you're young this might be like oh my god mary's ancient but like you know back in the days when we used to like watch dvds and dvd culture was a big thing like you wouldn't you wouldn't go on instagram like instagram didn't even fucking exist like you wouldn't go on instagram you wouldn't go on a social media platform to find a workout like you would buy a workout dvd and I can't even remember the name of some of them but they were just like the people in the videos or the dvds rather sorry who were the instructors were just ripped like just pure pure muscle and like okay cool that's your body but like that's not a natural body type you know like to me a natural when I say natural body I mean like okay cool I think most people I don't know if I'm general over generalizing but I think most people get 10,000 steps in in a normal lifetime like um like a non-lockdown life just from existing like having to go to school or work or I don't know just going on a walk for the sake of going on a walk or walking a dog or going to the grocery store you know I don't know but I feel like most people don't struggle to get ten ten thousand 10,000 steps in a day so when I talk about like a natural body I mean someone who doesn't doesn't like work out and take workout classes and go to the gym just someone who's living like just existing let's say so that person will not have ripped abs or muscles. or You know what I mean? Like, why is this so difficult for me to explain? <laughs> just someone who is just existing. Like, if, if we just put a, someone in a study and said, just exist, like, don't overexert your body in a gym, don't go on runs, don't do anything, like, just exist, that person wouldn't have abs and whatever. So that's what I mean when I say natural body. But you would watch these fitness DVDs And they would all be ripped. And like I said, good for you. Like if that's, that makes you confident and makes you feel strong, like honestly, good for you. But then I feel like it now sends this idea to the viewer that that's what they have to look like in order to be able to be successful at this workout. And that's where my problem starts to arise because you will, obviously everybody has a different body, but the instructor is not just doing that workout to have the body that they want. So like all of these points, like being naturally slim or having um, really big muscles and all these things, together they create this illusion that people are meant to look different to the way they look. And because of that, I feel like it's really, really, really difficult to look at your body objectively and just say, this is a body. That's all it is. And I mean, you guys know I work out so much and I honestly strive now to reach a point where I am not working out for a particular body type. Like when I can do that, then I'll be like, oh my God, Mary, like you've fucking done it. And I will go to Whole Foods and buy the cake that I've been eyeing up and I'll eat the whole thing (laughs) because I just, I think it's really important to see your body as a body first rather than an image. God, that was a lot. I really hope that that made sense. But yeah, I feel like all the topics that I've spoken about in this, like Meghan Markle's experience, the subjectivity of pain, body objectivity, I feel like they're all things that can all come together and paint a picture that you should really live in your own world. I know that people say that as a bad thing sometimes, They're like, oh my God, you're so trapped in your own world or you're so in your own head. And I don't mean like be in your own world, like in a warped sense of reality or like a bad mindset. But I mean, you just have to live with what you know is right. Okay. I think something that people struggle to realize a lot is that you, you know, okay, like you, you know, right and wrong, like you know whether or not you should be doing something you do and everyone has that voice everyone has not just one voice like everyone has multiple voices in their head saying like you should do this and here's why and you shouldn't do this you know like the angel and the devil on your shoulder we all know that sometimes you shouldn't do something and sometimes you should and I don't care what anyone says like that in my opinion is like fact because when I hate when people are like oh I didn't know I'm like you knew you knew it's like when people cheat and they're like oh I didn't know yeah you fucking knew like don't lie you have to remember that like you know because this world will do everything it can to make you question yourself and if you know you're a good person and you know that you deserve more than you're getting and you know that what you're feeling is real and and the way that you see your body is is good enough for you then you need to find a way to block out what everybody else shows and i say this because like i know that the things I've gone through have been tough. Okay. Like I know they've been tough. And then sometimes I'll hear about what other people are going through and I'll doubt my life. And I'll be like, fuck, like, was I sad? Like, was I depressed? Like, did I have any right to feel that way? And you know, you start to question all these things because you're suddenly hearing everybody else's experiences. But like, don't forget that there is someone else who could hear a story of your life and be like, whoa. And they'll have the same mindset and they'll be like, oh my God, is my life bad? So. Like, just remember that you know. Like, you know if you're being dramatic about something. And you know if you're feeling pain. And same with, like, seeing your body. Like, you know if you're not being healthy. That's another, like, side to the whole body fitness world, whatever. There are a lot of people who have an ideal body. I say that in quotation marks. Like, society's idea of an ideal body. And they're not healthy. Like, I can be so honest. When I was like at my lowest weight and I was like, oh my God, like finally, like I lost my period, my hair fell out. Like I was not healthy at all, but everybody, everybody I knew was like, oh my God, Mary, Like your body looks so good. And it really encourages that behavior. Like it really makes you think that what you're doing is correct and that you're being healthy even though you're not. And I knew I wasn't being healthy. And this is what I mean when I say, don't doubt what you know. And I knew I had to pull myself out of that before it was, it was going to get worse. So trust your gut. Sometimes you can't see it, and that's when you need other people to help pull you out. No one can minimize your life, okay? No one can minimize your pain, because you know. You always know. It's the same as, like, you know when you're, you're out getting drunk, and people are like, oh, I didn't know I was getting that drunk. You knew. You knew. When you were on your 20th tequila shot, You knew. Like, you know, you just know these things. And there is always an exception to every rule that I like state on here. Like, obviously there are some times that you don't know, but more often than not, you know, and you can do something about it. And when I say do something about it, I mean, believe yourself, believe that what you're doing is okay. Believe that what you're feeling is normal and perfectly fine and that it doesn't need to be compared to anybody else because in a weird way I feel like it's and I speak about society sometimes sorry to interrupt my sentence for the third time now but I speak about society sometimes as if it's like one big institution and there's someone in charge and I know that we are all society and thus when we complain about society we're kind of complaining about ourselves and I agree like we all contribute to it and sometimes we benefit from it and sometimes we don't but I think that Society doesn't want you to know that you're all right. Society doesn't want you to know that you know yourself best. It wants you to continue to seek validation from society. And I think that's how it's fueled. And because of that, being confident in the way you look, even if you don't look like what society wants you to look like, is seen as like scary and radical and overly confident and narcissistic. And all these negative words start to come out when you feel that way. And the same as people who are confident in their emotions. People who cry openly are seen as weak and fragile, but they're not. It's the way that society begins to label these people and starts to outcast them. So we strive to not be like those people. But those are the bravest people in society, the people who can go, fuck beauty standards, this is what I look like, and I'm fucking beautiful. The people who can cry openly and say, I'm crying because I'm feeling, and feeling means that I'm alive. Like, these are incredible things that are frowned upon by everyone. And sorry to put everyone in a bubble because obviously they're not frowned on by everyone, but as a generalization, the world as a whole looks, well, the Western world looks down on these things. And says that you shouldn't be that way. And if you want to be a man in power, you shouldn't show emotion. You shouldn't be weak. But realistically, if there was a man in power who said, guys, I'm struggling, I would have a lot more respect for that person than someone who knows that it's okay to struggle and puts it down. And I emphasize the fact that they have to know that they're struggling because obviously there is a lot of toxic masculinity in society and this idea that men can't show emotion. And I feel like sometimes that is a louder voice in people's heads than knowing that what they're feeling is valid. So really, when we say dismantle societal norms, we have to dismantle the things that we've begun to accept, the things that we've taken in as our own norms, because it's really hard. It's really hard to unlearn something that has been a norm and a constant in your entire life this idea that you've always had to be a size four, this idea that you have to be happy and preppy and you have to have the perfect life. And when you say that you don't want the perfect life, this idea of the perfect life, people look down on you. Like, I made a TikTok, I made two TikToks actually on this. Um, One TikTok I made, I was like, I don't, I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want a kid. And I've been very sure in this. most of my life like I've just never imagined a kid in my life you know some people are like oh by the time I'm 30 like I've always planned on having a kid like that's just never been me and like my parents know this my close friends know this I'm just not like not to say I don't like kids I just I don't want one and I've always said cool like shit happens maybe that will change but my my perception of where my life is going doesn't have kids in it and so I made that TikTok and like a bunch of women were like thank you like I really appreciate you saying this of course like cool there are more than one of us who feel that way then someone asked me a question on TikTok which I responded to and they asked me about my family and I basically said that like I don't have a big family so family line ends with me because I don't want kids and the comments started to be flooded with people saying she'll have kids like she doesn't know what she wants yet, like she'll have kids blah 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 and it really it really pissed me off I'll be honest it pissed me off because I was like You would never say to a person that says, I want 10 kids. No, you don't want kids. And the reason that you wouldn't say that is because that's the nuclear family. That's the idea that we're all meant to fall into and meant to live up to. That's what you, you know, even when you're in school, like primary school or even nursery, like you read these books that with like three words on each page, you know, like the kids books that I'm talking about. Um, You read these books and they have these pictures of the nuclear family and the ideal family. And it's a man and a woman and they're abundance of kids. And so when you start to say things to people like, I don't want that life and I don't want that for myself, they start to get confused as if you're weird for breaking out of the constraints of society. And I think it's brave. I think it's bold. I think it's amazing when people do that. And um, it really is crazy in a way that being confident in who you are, like something that you, something that you had no choice over, right? Like you don't get to decide what you look like when you're born, you don't get to pick your eye color, you don't get to pick your hair texture, you don't get to pick your skin color, you don't get to pick anything. Like you are just a combination of your parents' DNA. And that isn't even an exact reflection of them. There are some people who look exactly like their parents, no doubt, but like you, you don't get to choose your DNA makeup and you have to grow to learn to love it that's a very brave thing to do like it's a ve- it's a very hard thing to do because you had no choice over it you know like when i straighten my hair for example like i have naturally curly frizzy hair um when i straighten my hair i feel a lot more confident but that was a choice like i got to choose to straighten my hair and so it would make sense that i like it when it's straight because i chose to do that like i wouldn't choose to do something to my hair that i don't like But saying that I love my curly hair is brave because I had no choice about that. It's something that I had to learn to love. And I'll be so honest with you, I don't love my curly hair. I don't, I really don't. I've tried to love it. It's been a real journey and I don't. Like I'm very sick of pretending that I do because everybody else thinks it's cool. Because I think what people also fail to remember is that there was a big chunk of life where people didn't like curly hair. Like I've been moved in class, because of my hair like it's a distraction or it's too big and things like that so I it just kind of reinforced this notion that it was ugly and that I should straighten it or have it in braids or whatever because it looks neater and it's not unprofessional when it's straight and so now that curly hair is cool everyone's like "Mm, well why is your hair not curly and this is what I mean when I say you have to be confident in yourself and you have to be in your own bubble of life and norms because society changes, societal norms change. And because of that, there are gonna be moments where things are deemed things that you should be insecure about. And in a few years, there'll be a fashion trend. Like under eye bags, under eye bags are trendy now. When the fuck did that happen? Because I hate my under eye bags. I look like I haven't slept since I left the womb, which realistically I haven't, but you know, not the point. When did they become trendy? It's a, it's a weird trend, do you know what I mean? And like, um. I don't know if they're called beauty marks, beauty spots, whatever. Like I have I have them on my face. They're not freckles, but they're just like these like dark brown, black dots on my face. I don't know how to explain it. But I used to be so annoyed with them and I would try and cover them up with concealer, but they're honestly so dark, they just come through. But um Yeah, I would be i like I'd wear foundation in hopes to cover it up. And then I saw a video the other day of people getting them tattooed on their face, and I was like, What? Like this makes no sense. And this is why you just have to, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to just be like, I am going to fall in love with this person. The reflection I'm seeing, I'm going to fall in love with them because society is going to change. Everything that society says now will be different in about 10 years because the world is changing and the people in power are changing. And because of that, there will never be one constant. But I can say that the one constant and probably the only constant that society continues to have is that you should be quiet in your confidence. And I think that's a norm that we have to break. That's a norm that we have to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to learn to love myself and I'm going to yell it from the fucking rooftops. Because honestly, confidence is sexy. Like when people are so confident in the way they dress, the way they look, what they do, how they live, it's so cool and it's so inspiring. And I think it's even cooler because it's seen as a bad thing. And you know how like when you're younger, if someone says don't do something, you want to do it because it's like rebellious and it's cool. That's like being confident as an adult. It's like a rebellion, even though it shouldn't be. It should just be something you're taught to do or like encouraged to do, but it's not. So when you are confident, you're like a cool rebel. You know, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's cool. I admire it in people. Well, on that note, I think we'll end this here but I tried to keep this brief and I don't think this is brief at all. Oh God, I'm going to regret talking for so long when I have to edit this, but I hope you guys like the long podcast episodes. When I first started making podcasts, that didn't make sense. When I first started uploading podcast episodes, um, my friend messaged me and she was like, make them longer. And at first I was nervous because I was like, oh my God, can I talk for that long? And then I realized like, yeah, I don't shut up. Like my dad is always like, Mary, do you like, do you ever stop talking? I'm like, not really, not really. So like, I just started making them longer, but I also really enjoy long podcast episodes. Like I love listening to a podcast. that's like an hour and a half. Um, So I hope that you guys feel the same way. And I kind of like, just like, Putting my earphones in and listening to a podcast whilst I'm doing something because, like, I have to multitask. Like, I, I like cannot like just devote my attention to one thing. So I like going on walks with podcasts in or like cleaning the house with like a podcast playing. You know, just like tiny tasks. Not, I don't ever like do work whilst listening to a podcast. Otherwise, I'll start writing what the person in the podcast is saying. But Yeah, before I end this, just wanted to say about the whole, like, being confident in yourself and not living up to other people's beauty standards. Unfollow people that make you question your worth, okay? And they don't have to be people who are actively being nasty or saying bad things about you. Like, they don't have to be saying anything to you. But when you scroll through Instagram, you're, like, subconsciously taking in all this information about people, right? whether you want to or you don't, like your brain is registering what you're seeing. And I find that even if I know these people, I don't want to be taking all this information in about them and the way their body looks and what they're wearing and what they're eating and stuff like that, because then it starts to make me question my life. And if anyone makes you do that, if anyone makes you feel bad about yourself or questioning what you're doing, unfollow them. It doesn't have to be a nasty thing. You don't have to follow up someone. It's social media, like it's not that serious if you unfollow someone. I know it's seen as serious and like, oh my God, they don't like me, but it's not that serious. And at the end of the day, like, if you're not gonna see that person regularly and like, we are in the middle of a lockdown, so you shouldn't be seeing people regularly, um, just unfollow them. And like, I did that the other day. I went through my followers and there are still some people that I want to unfollow, but I'm like, oh my God, if I go back to uni and they're like, why do you unfollow me? But I'm going to do it. So I'm telling you guys to do it because I too am going to do it. So just go through your followers. Go through your, is it a timeline on Instagram, a feed, whatever. And anyone who makes you feel bad about yourself, unfollow them. Like if you're following way too many models with unrealistic beauty standards, unfollow them. Like it's just social media is powerful in and of itself in terms of like connection and jobs and stuff like that. But it's also powerful in having, like, a detrimental effect on your mental health. And absorbing all this information about so many people's lives is really unnecessary. And, like, I just deleted my Twitter and my Snapchat. Uh, Did I say that in the last podcast episode? I can't remember. But I'll say it again. Yeah, I deleted my Twitter and my Snapchat. And I really haven't used Snapchat for, like, three years. I haven't used it since my last year of A-Levels. So like, I just, I was like, why am I keeping it? And I realized I was only keeping it because like, it has a bunch of memories on it. I am not a sentimental person at all. Like I don't have any folders on my laptop with pictures. Um, I used to keep all my photos on Facebook and then I deleted my Facebook. So like, I, I don't have any memories that aren't on my phone. And so I was like, okay, realistically like yeah it's cool to look back and be like oh my god like this is what life was like three years ago or whatever but like i don't really care that much so i deleted my snapchat because it wasn't on my phone like i didn't have the app on my phone but like if i ever wanted to go through pictures i would um i would redownload snapchat and just look through the memories and i did i did download it and save some pictures just like because I was making a video about something but um yeah then I realized like why the fuck do I I still have this account and so I deleted it like fully de- not just the app like fully deleted my account so there goes my snapchat and I just I felt like finally like it, this has been such a long time coming it just it just gave people so much access to me and I just like didn't really understand why I was allowing that to go on and a lot of the people that I had on my snapchat were people that I didn't speak to like they were people I even went to school with because that's when Snapchat was like big, I guess. Um, It was uh, people I danced with growing up. It was people from my old netball team. Like it, it was just an abundance of people that no longer spoke to me or were in my life. So I don't know why I was giving them easy access to me. So I just deleted the account and I'm like, Thank God. I hope if there's another Mary Stephen that wants that username, they can get it. Cause I, I never made an embarrassing Snapchat username. Okay. My Snapchat username was always Mary Stephen. And, um, I was going through it before I deleted, um, my account. And I was like, Oh my God, these names are fucking embarrassing. Like, <laughs> cause you can't change your name on Snapchat. So people have like, I don't know, like hood baby nine four four or something like that. I'm like, you're, you're 24. Like this should not be your Snapchat name. But yeah, I deleted my Snapchat, like, fully. And then I deactivated my Twitter for a week. Because as much as I love Twitter, like, Twitter will always be, like, my favorite social media. Even if there is a day where I completely delete my Twitter account, it will always be my favorite social media. Because it, it gave me most of my friends. So I can never be ungrateful to Twitter. But, that like, there's a lot of information about people on that app. Like, it, like I follow, I don't know, like, 300 people on there and have like three and a half thousand followers. So like my notification section is like filled with some people that I don't know. And then my timeline is filled with people that I do know, but like 300 people, like that's a lot of information to be processing at one time. So I just deactivated it for a week so I could be like in real life, like in present day, taking in information about myself. And then I went through my Instagram and was like, okay, let's unfollow some people that you don't need to see what they're doing. Because I think like, I think for a lot of the time especially on instagram when you're like subconsciously taking all this information in about people you start to care and i'm not saying that you shouldn't care about people but like caring takes up a lot of time and space in your body and i feel like it also provokes you to talk about these people and like i'm not saying don't have useless conversations like obviously when you're with your friends you just talk rubbish basically but Like, if you find yourself talking about, like, oh my God, did you see this on blah, blah, blah's Instagram? Did you see that? It's like, oh, it's so exhausting. Like, we already live on social media. Like, why now are we in real life talking about what we saw on social media, you know? So, I don't know. I, I thought it was, like, a real breath of fresh air to just be like, okay, I'm just gonna unfollow all these people. And realistically, most of the people that I unfollowed were, like, people I met at parties and, like, never spoke to again. Or, like, they were, like, my party crew. Like I would see them at every single party I went to. And like, I don't even fucking party anymore. Like even pre pandemic, like I kind of just gave up that life. So, you know, I wasn't ever gonna see them again. I didn't really want to see any of them again. So yeah, I just unfollowed them. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. At least for me, I'm like, how can I have three friends but I'm following 400 people on Instagram? That's suspicious. That's weird. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just, it's it's nice. It's nice to do that. And I don't follow any celebrities. I don't think. Oh, did I just lie? Oh, I follow Gwyneth Paltrow. That's it. But I fucking love that woman. I'm not unfollowing her anytime soon. So, but to be fair, she doesn't make me feel bad about my life. She makes me feel like I can do anything. She makes me feel invincible. I love Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I'll I'll leave that as the last piece of advice that I give you on this episode because I realise I have been talking for an obnoxiously long amount of time. But I hope you beautiful people have an amazing day, week, month. I hope March is going well for you. God, we're nearly halfway through. Where is this year going? Oh my god, we're nearly at lockdown date. Oh my god, it's nearly the anniversary. How's everyone feeling about that? I'll tell you how I'm feeling. I know that I said I was gonna end this, but let me get this one off my chest. I am shook. I remember I was like going to Cycle a lot because my uni was on strike. So I was home rather than living on campus, which meant that I could go to Cycle whenever I wanted. And I remember I think it I think it was literally this day last year, maybe. Um my dad met me after a soul cycle class in Notting Hill and we went for drinks um at a bar on Portobello Road. And I remember thinking, that was weird. Because in class the instructor was like, Sanitize your hands, like wash your hands, blah blah blah, like be safe. And this is when obviously like some people had COVID in the UK like it was no longer something that was not affecting the UK and Europe like it was here at this point but I was like oh that's weird because normally they'll be like love you like believe in yourself you know something motivational and she was like wash your hands and I was like okay and obviously like I always wash my hands duh I'm not one of those people who oh, the people that didn't wash their hands pre-pandemic scare me but anyways um yeah so I was like oh okay like okay, people are taking this seriously. And I think at this point, someone at my uni had already had COVID. So I knew it was here, but I was like, it's gonna go, it's gonna disappear. Like I didn't see a lockdown coming. And wait, this goes up on the 11th. So, okay, so in the UK on the 13th, that's when things started to go downhill. And I remember saying to my dad after this class, I was like, "Why is everyone overreacting? Like, we're gonna be fine." And he kind of looked at me and he was like, mm, "I don't know." Anyways, I went home and I was like, "Oh, like I'm go, I've got, I had like five Soul Cycle classes booked," and then I just got a notification from Soul Cycle and I was like, "We're closing our studios today," and it was the thirteenth, and I was like, "Oh my!" And it was Friday the thirteenth, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Mom." they're closing so i was like she was like no it's okay it's only two weeks and i was like yeah mm-hmm. it's only two weeks okay and then coffee shops became takeout only and restaurants became takeout only and they like took out all the seats from um like gregg's and starbucks and costa and things like that and then the announcement was made that we're going in a two-week lockdown and here we are a year later in a lockdown it's fucking crazy oh my goodness i can't believe it's been a year like, it's not funny, but it's funny that we thought this was going to be two weeks. Like, it's very funny. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to read all these books in two weeks and then I'll go back to uni. It's been a year since I last saw my uni. So that's fun. Food for thought. And I'm getting no refund. ha <laughs> Love you, Boris. Fucking hell. Anyways, have a fucking amazing week, guys. I know I said I wasn't going to swear, but it's me. Um, Have an amazing week. Be so overly confident that it scares the people around you.